Happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome to the smartest guy in the room. Jerry Dempsey here, along with Matthew Smith. What's going on, Matt? Uh, nothing. Did you have COVID? I heard there was a rumor. Yeah. I did, and I had it bad, and it kicked my ass. And the people who are saying that it's just like a bad cold are fucking liars because it beat the shit out of me. And like, I mean, in a paragraph, what exactly were the symptoms? I've not had it, so I really don't know. You know, it's funny. I looked at the symptoms online. I had every single one of them except for, and I'm thankful for this, I did not have the most serious one, which was uh, difficulty breathing and chest pain. I did not have that one, but, uh, I had a headache for three days that brought me to my knees. I felt like unscrewing my head. Yeah. Uh, I vomited violently for like a day so much so that now it's days out. I feel like my ribs have been beaten with a baseball bat. Yeah. Uh, bad chills for three days oh my god it it, you know it was like it was like a super intense for me at least it was just like a super intense version of the flu uh but i mean you look up the symptoms of covid online i i had them all lost my sense of taste which hasn't come back uh fuck i'm dragging i feel like i have mono almost i can hear i mean it sounds like you know you're getting over a bad cold just in your voice but yeah it was awful <laughs> to kick my well ass. i did not uh you know you definitely got the one-up position on this on this one but i had something like you and i both talked about having some bouts of like vertigo-esque uh symptoms or maybe you you might have had it a lot worse than i've had it but i've had I've had instances where the room starts spinning and I have to like either stand up or hold on to something or sit down. I can't lay down because then I sound, I feel like I'm spinning all over the place. And um, but I had it Thursday and I was at physical therapy. Uh, I was going to get like my hip stretched out because my hip one of my hips is fucked up. And during it. The lady stretching me out. It's like, are you all right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I thought I was going to throw up all over like the place I was in. <laughs> and it was great, too, because I had about 10 egg whites for breakfast. So that would have looked really good all over the floor of the, the therapy place. <laughs> but uh, I went home and I got in bed and didn't get out of bed the rest of the day. It was fucked up. Yeah, laying down with vertigo is... Uh, uh... Not an easy thing to do. I, I, there's actually physical therapy for the condition that I have because vertigo is supposed to correct itself eventually. And mine has lasted four years. Uh, it's almost become a way of life. And I did go to physical therapy for it. Um, not all physical therapists do it. And it's kind of an intense physical therapy to correct this condition and um it worked for about eight months but it's 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 come back and 
Uh, it's that's a brutal condition when like again, I had it like I have this case that it won't go away. Mm-hmm. And I've just kind of learned to live with it, but like sometimes it's brutal. Yeah, like right now I can walk around, but I'll have little twinges of it. Where like my, you know, like if I look at my phone at it because my eyes are tracking, or like it, you know, the the screen is moving and I can't see the words, and it makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's literally caused by crystals inside your head, like little rocks that fall out of place and when i was getting the uh, physical therapy they explained to me that basically in its simplest terms it's putting the rocks back in your head where they belong (laughs) exactly remember when that was like a fun thing you got rocks in your head we'd always say that to each other like back in the day when we could insult people mildly without getting slapped in the face (laughs) well now see i do have rocks in my head Whoever said it was right. My father said it. So They're minerals, goddammit. Um, yeah. I don't know. Hey, so folks, we got a special topic today, one that's near and dear to everybody. We're going to talk about socialism. It's not near and dear to me. Well, yeah, this is... to me, go ahead. You can lead off. Oh, no, I was just gonna, this is kind of a stupid topic, but I, I get why we're talking <laughs> about I get why we're talking about it. Uh, everything's everything is stupid on some level. <laughs> <laughs> I get why we're talking about it because you know, look, uh, it's talked about so much in the yeah, media. Exactly. It's just fucking nobody gives you a straight answer. To be honest with you, I mean, do you feel like if you if you didn't know goddamn, so I'm gonna just try not to swear. If you didn't know a thing about socialism and you just like landed on this planet, no one, I I defy anyone to give anyone else a straight answer as to what socialism is <laughs> but you can take your swag at it pretend like i'm mork from orc and i just landed here and you're gonna tell me you know hey what's socialism <laughs> well i'm not gonna take a stab at it because it doesn't it's 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 not an issue in america as much as you know you walk through life every single i'm gonna try not to swear today either because this topic will make me swear extra uh yeah you know extra the the extra amount because i'm just so sick of hearing it but um you know <laughs> we're not there's no we there's despite popular opinion trotsky's not in office he never has been in office here in america and you know we're no. not we're not ever going to be a socialist nation i'm just curious like when when most people that I've encountered, you know, start waxing about um, socialism, there's to me that what the cream, so to speak, that rises to the top on the both sides of, of this coin or I don't know how many sides of the coin there are. But they're the people that can't wait to say Karl Marx and act like they know everything about Das Kapital and some of his other ramblings. And then the other people always bring up uh, George Orwell and Animal Farm. <laughs> like those are the two sides of the seesaw. The way I, 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 and again, that's just from my experience and me trying to make some humor. But uh, you go to right to this Trotsky fella, which I don't honestly I know of, 
but I'm just curious as to why that name pops to the top of your list. Oh, just because when I think of socialism and what people, you know, fear, what what people who constantly use the word fear of, uh, they they. It, in my mind, it conjures up images of, you know, the USSR and uh, that sort of economic uh, socialism. Um, I think you're right in a way that it, when you broke it down into those two sides, Karl Marx and and uh, George Orwell. Um, but you know, it's just look at the word socialism. Is it's just low hanging fruit, and it's it's used by political pros as a scare tactic. You know, they throw this word out there, and then it's a big scary word, and it's an easy word to make s- stick because you know people know that America's about freedom, and we're not Russia, and we're not you know Venezuela, and you know where those are so those are well-known socialist lands and, you know, so, you know, they, 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 that word gets thrown out there because they know it's going to stick and that people are going to repeat it. And, you know, let me, uh, I guess I got something on this. So I recently read this book about, uh, artificial intelligence, right. And, um, the author spends almost the entire first chapter talking about, how he is defining certain terms before he even gets into the book. And he does that. And I thought it was very smart. Obviously he's a very intelligent dude, this guy, Max Tegmark. Um, But it's important. I think before you even have a conversation, it's at least to agree upon how you're defining certain terms. Cause I, I feel like, especially today, more than ever, people decide what a term means and it's not, you know, it's like, oh, the sky is azure. No, it's fucking blue. No, it's, you know, purple. Like, you know, we have to agree. And I don't mean me and you. I just mean certain whoever is debating this stuff. On what exactly, how are you defining, you know, whether it's, because we're not a capitalist society either. And I hear that term thrown out ridiculously often. And, you know, if you were a kid or someone trying to get educated in all these various terms and ideologies and whatnot, there's no fucking way you could take anything from any of the media and and be like, okay, uh, now I feel like I've learned something. I read, um, I spent about 10, 15 minutes reading an article about socialism yesterday. And I, all I could think of was whoever wrote this has no clue what socialism is. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> You know, it's easy to blame it all on the media. I blame it all on our politicians, and then the media regurgitates it. But yeah, uh, well, that's true. I um, blame the show. You know, I think in a very uh, in a, a very poor explanation from myself, but I think when people talk about socialism in America, they're concerned that the government wants to take away a large amount of what they are working for and they are working for very hardly so that they so that the government can turn around and give it to people who don't work very hard and don't work at all 
Yeah, and that's like I you think said, that's, that's really uneducated some... American ideal of socialism. Well, nobody likes paying lots of taxes. I mean, there's just certain uh, human. You've worked for something, you got paid, and then you know when you see your tax bill. I mean, there's a lot of late ways to kind of skin a cat like this, but I, I think of like those, you ever see those, um, it's like a flow chart where it's like the four quadrants and one quadrant, it's Matt Smith spending Matt Smith's money on Matt Smith. That's a good quadrant for you. Then there's Matt Smith spending Matt Smith's money on other people, people, maybe your family or friends, people you care for. Then there's someone else taking Matt Smith's money and spending it on themselves, like your kid will take your money and go buy beer or something. And then there's someone else taking your money and spending it on someone else, vis-a-vis -vis the government taking your money and spending it and giving it to other people. Or however, you know, and I try to keep things simple because I'm a dumb guy. But, you know, the further way that you get to decide what's done with your money you know, it's like uh, you're losing control and that might frustrate you if you don't like the way it's being spent. So that's part of, you know, that's one piece of this giant puzzle that we all get, get gets kicked around. And like you said, the politicians are for sure making, you know, making things confusing for us with their various. I mean, I boiled it down to a couple things. And I know I'm getting long winded, so I'll try to make a point here. But I think in America, instead of like trying to re-swizzle or recreate the wheel, if we did a couple things, like one, provide universal health care and provide some kind of like junior college or, you know, include some kind of college uh, material into like how we pay for high school and, and K to 12, whatever, that would probably go a long way to at least you know, on the liberal side of the house or progressive, whatever we're calling that these days, that would go a long way for them to probably be like, oh, we're getting what we want. What do you say to that? Well, you know, I mean, what's socialism then? Is is socialism public schools and roads and bridges or does that stuff just serve the, the public good? I mean... Well, it's me, the way it's the way it's the way in which you look at it. You know, in my opinion, if, uh, you know, people were provided a junior college education at the very least, uh, instead of everyone going out into the world with, you know, seventy thousand dollars in debt from the word go that you're never going to recover from because you're paying these student loans to these, you know, to these companies that, you know, have the loan sold to them by the government and then these private companies start, you know, doing their thing and no one ever makes ground on, on their debt. You know, I, I personally, I don't see it as people getting a free ride. I see it as the country providing something for the greater good because when everyone succeeds, we're all better off. I don't know. It's just, so I guess it's how you look at, you know, things like Medicare and social security and roads and bridges and public schools. I personally think those things are good because they serve the greater good. Other people have a problem with it. So, 
I always find that interesting, and I'm not looking to pick a, a fight with you at all. But like, fight me. Well, uh, it's not that interesting. Um, but like when I hear roads and I hear that roads and bridges thing a lot, or infrastructure now is a fun term. And, and again, that the, that term has been expanded to mean a lot of different things it didn't used to mean. Um, you know, those roads and bridges aren't being built by the government. They're being built by private companies that are contracted by the government who's spending our money to do it. So, yeah, I don't know that I feel all, all that thankful to the government for that kind of stuff. But but I'm again, that's saying more to thank them. But the gut, it's it's being used with public money. You well, said it yourself. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm just saying that as an aside. It's not really a, a main focal point. Trust me. Um, but what I wanted to say is that to me, when I think of socialism, I like the term as a good idea. And, you know, just like man wants to fly and we found ways to do it, but man is never going to grow wings and fly. There are just certain rules that unless we get around some rules, we're not going to get to these other things we want. And like, I go back to the seven deadly sins, which my son asked me what those were the other day. And I, I couldn't remember. It's like gluttony, <laughs> the other one, but like we're humans are irrational. Right. That's why economics is not like a hard science. Right. We act irrationally. We do stupid things. And, you know, we act impulsively and emotionally. And until, you know, socialism is a is it's almost like going to church. We know we're not going to be perfect, but, you know, we can try. Right. And every day you have the opportunity to not fuck up and to be a good person. So I look at socialism as not necessarily a form of government, but an idea of how to live. You know, like um, I think of the term minimalist, right? Now, when you and I were just getting our in our early 20s, uh, if you looked at my apartment and your apartment, you no one would argue that we were minimalists at the time. <laughs> but but it wasn't because we wanted to be. We just were. Right. So, I mean, I, because I, on the one end, and I was trying to explain this to my son. So that's why, I, as I was prepping for our talk today, you know, you see obscene wealth, especially here in the US, these people with this money. And they seem to be the biggest black holes in society, like, because the money will never fill the, the void that's in their soul. <laughs> I said that to my kid. And I said it a little tongue in cheek. But, you know, you see it. You see these people with their millions and billions. And yeah, I wouldn't want to live any of their lives, quite frankly. I'd rather live like a like a Henry David Thoreau in the woods with nothing. So I don't know. I've been rambling for a while. You talk. <laughs> well, I mean, I know I know people who are actual practicing minimalists, you know, legit m minimalists who adopted that lifestyle. And, you know, they are closer to the uh socialist you know realm of life the living you know they they probably believe in the socialism uh theory and i, I would never want to live like them you know i would probably if i had my choice i'd probably want to live more like a rich person 
But that uh, is your freedom of choice. In, right, exactly. To, to have that. But I, I think one of the things we're doing in this conversation is we're proving it, or maybe this conversation is, I should better say, because I don't want to speak for you, this conversation is proving my point, is that one of the reasons why no one in America really defines socialism is because it's not here and it's not going to be here. You know, there are going to be socialists among us, but America is not a socialist country. It's not in danger of becoming a socialist country. I'm 54. I've been hearing my whole life how, like, you know, Democrats are the socialist party. And there's been a number of Democratic presidents and, you know, times where Democrats have controlled the Congress. And we're still not a socialist country. And so, you know, they got to be really fucking bad at doing that. And even if they were good at doing it, the pendulum swings in America, you know, politically. There's Democratic administrations, there's Republican administrations. When Trump was in, he reversed a lot of Obama's environmental administration uh, policies. Things, it, the pendulum swings. We're not in danger. And again, <laughs> one of the reasons no one can explain what socialism is here, because we don't know what it is, because... We don't live that way, and we aren't going to. Yeah, and I don't know that we need to. Again, that's why I went to like those those eighty twenty rule kind of things. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot of problems with giving universal health care, like you know, corruption, graft, um, you know, and and don't let's not be fooled. Healthcare providers are corporations too, and they like to make profit. Um, you know, sometimes you try to solve one problem and you create five other problems in the mix. And that's, that's what, you know, logistically, a lot of these things that sound good and they may work for Norway who has only 5 million people in the whole fucking country, but you know, got 300 and some million people in America. It's a, it's a different dynamic. And, um, I do think that there's still plenty of opportunity for people, poor, middle class, or rich. I mean, the people that were abjectly poor in 1990, most of them have dug their way out of that. But but the good news is we've imported a bunch of new people <laughs> to fill their old shoes. So there's all kinds of fun things going on. And I just think to make it better, you know, I mean, I was looking up all these stats and I was trying to think of how to have this conversation. But like the top 30 universities in the world, the vast majority of them are here in the United States. So that's got to tell us something. You know, so, so again, it's not like changing. It's like, well, how do we make what we have better for everyone and more inclusive? And I like those ideas or like at least that that thought of we can do better for our people, you know, and and, there are, you know, also the United States is, I think, one of the most generous uh, countries in terms of like you know, philanthropy. I think I read that somewhere. So it's like, okay, we're doing a lot of things right. No need to argue and hate each other. How do we make it better? Should be the conversation. And it should be had intelligently by these people. And I think that's where we're really missing the opportunity. Well, you know, you going back to your roads and bridges example, where you talk about, well, you know, a lot of these, a lot the work's being done by private sector companies with government money. It, mm -hmm. You go take that example to universal health care. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. My here's my issue with universal health care, and I overall I'm for it. I also understand that there's healthcare companies out there that are for profit and in my opinion should be making money. If I have a brain tumor and my next door neighbor has a brain tumor, I don't think that I'm entitled to better care than he is because I make more money. You know, or you I, have a job I, that gives I you, would want right. both of us to get the same level of care. But I don't have a problem if there was universal health care where if the government contracted with private companies, private companies made the money, you know, off the government. I, I'd be, you know, I understand that profit makes this country go around and that's fine with me. But I don't know. It's, it's just there just seems to be no safeguards for people without who don't have uh you know, who, who live in poverty in America. And it, that bothers me. And um, I don't, you, you were saying a bunch of things that I was really interested in, and now I'm losing. Uh, it's all uh, right. I lost yeah. my IP. But, you know, yeah. one of the things I kept hearing, I've, I've been hearing the last five years, and you talk about philanthropy and charity, you know, is now there's the... Uh, People like Glenn Beck started spreading this. Well, social justice is just code for socialism and communism. And, you know, it's just such a ridiculous premise because social justice at its core is really just about helping poor communities and marginalized communities and ensuring the playing field is equal. I I think it's great that corporations are philanthropic in America. But really, there's no fear that corporations are going to be overtaken and turned into these social justice factories. The, the, the organizations that practice social justice are things like churches. You know, fucking Jesus, you know, was... A, a social justice practitioner. He was a minimalist. <laughs> exactly. You know? So, I mean, you know, it's, why is it in America when money is spent on helping poor people, it's wasteful spending, but when it's helped, when it's used to, for corporate bailouts or, you know, corporate tax breaks, it's wise investment. I mean, I don't know that I would paint all that with the same brush, but I get your your sentiment. You have to remember, too, though, when you bail out banks and all those investment firms, you know, the largest industrial investors are like CalPERS and TIAA, CREF, and people that you know. So, I mean, they got bailed out, too, right? Uh, And we probably needed to do that to keep the system going. But... Well, right. But when these bailouts happen, it's not the fault of people who are on welfare. No, there are, there's right. But when money is spent on on helping people in the welfare system, well, you know, we can't have that because people are lazy. Well, what about when people are greedy and they crash our fucking economy? Yeah. No, I'm. So you're preaching to choir on this stuff, so I'm not. There's no debate for me on it. 
Uh, I love helping poor people out. And I definitely, I'd love to see things put in place. Um, I don't know. It just, it just seems that a lot of these well-intended programs just get mismanaged, misused, and they don't, they don't really do like who's the richest guy right now? Like Elon Musk, right? So most of his money is tied up in Tesla stock, but you know, he's a maniac doing all this weird stuff that he does. And I think he's an interesting person. But someone like Bill Gates now, he's got all these billions that he's it's got his foundation and this, that, and the other thing, and all these administrators. I mean, he could literally write checks to poor people or just line them all up and hand out cash. And that'd probably be the smartest thing to do if you really want to help poor people. Give them the money, let them run their own lives, and let them figure out how to how to do better for themselves. And, and just cut out all the middlemen that take their take their piece of the action. <laughs> I don't have and a I, problem with that, but even even in the private <laughs> sector, there's these companies that run, you know, that are the middlemen for for charities, and they're always like, you know, you donate a hundred dollars through this middleman in the private sector for some charity, and that private sector company takes eighty three dollars of that hundred dollars. You know, it's not just the government. Oh, nonprofits can be some of the best money laundering opportunities out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean come on i mean I, I i i agree with you i always wondered you know in a in just a pure sense why all these rich folks just don't drive through poor neighborhoods and just hand out their wealth you know directly but i mean you know that's that's never gonna that's not gonna happen so but it, it just always you're right it seems like a just a more direct an efficient I mean, way of of going about it. Uh, you know, who like I said, we do a lot of things right in this country and we don't it's it's always that half half empty glass. We're always crying about what we don't have versus what we do have and um I think if we could ever get smarter, you know, and I think I honestly this is why I I joke with my wife. I'll say I don't care if Big Brother takes over as long as he's a benevolent Big Brother. <laughs> like, I can give up certain freedoms as long as... Because I don't do that many extravagant things. I just want to fucking hang out and live my life and not be bothered too much by it. But that's me. You know, that's my own personal philosophy. And I can't project that on other people. Whether they want to race cars or hunt or do evil things. Like, you know... But I do feel like Big Brother is here, and he's not going anywhere, and he's that will get more controlling, uh, you know, whether we like in, it or not. It's interesting. Where you mentioned the, the you, your example came back to me of uh, you know the 1990 economy, and uh, I think one of the things that I think about a lot is you know this. The economy and today's capitalism is not like our father's cap capitalism, you know. Uh, there were rich and poor people back then, but there was a, a pretty strong middle class. Yep. And now that middle class doesn't exist. And, you know, it, in my opinion, and I work in this field, but, you know, the, the demise of the middle class, because there's a significant buckle now 
in in America in the American economic landscape. There's a lot of upper income people and there's a lot of poor people. I don't know how the middle class the middle class is 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 shrinking and I don't know how they're making it right now with uh cuz food prices, gas prices of course are through the roof, but so are food prices. Oh my god, food prices are are absolutely insane now. Uh and you know, back when our fathers were starting out in the 40s and 50s, you know, there was a significant union presence and now over the 40 years last 40 45 years that union presence has all but disappeared in america and it's not a coincidence that the middle class has shrunk along with it and now you're starting to see a little bit of a trend upward again in organizing like with amazon and starbucks and things like that but but what but what's different in my opinion is this time around it's less about wages and it's, it really is about benefits and things like pensions and because those things don't exist anymore. And I'll give you an example. And I don't know how people can live like this, but, you know, I, I come from the journalism background. I was in the newspapers and I got out. But a lot of my friends who are still in the newspaper business, they've had their pensions taken away. Mm. They've had their 401ks <clears throat> uh, for the last 10 years, no more contributions being made to their 401ks on top of their pensions being taken away. Yep. A lot of my friends who are still reporters, they went 10 to 13 years without a single pay raise on top of all this other things happening to them. And then having their health insurance premiums raised significantly. Yep. And to me, it's like, well, what's the point of, of continue working in that field, you know? Yeah. And, but I mean, these are people who are dedicated and believe in what they do, but it's like, I, you know, that's, that's just wrong. And I, I worked for a newspaper company that we ordered, had ordered 350 layoffs company wide at a time where our profit margin was at 25%. And the reason why we, the layoffs occurred was the leading newspaper industry, uh, company in the industry had a profit margin of 37% at the time. So because our corporation's profit margin wasn't as high as this particular mm. corporation's, and again, it, they, we weren't losing money. It's just that our profit margin wasn't where this other company's was. So we had to lay off 350 people. <laughs> I mean, that's just wrong. Yep. In my industry, uh, IBM was at the forefront of doing that. That's how they got rid of older people. So once you were 40, you were basically at a target on your back. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's terrible. Like, because I know when I first got into the industry, um, there were nobody knew anything about technology. So you were like a unicorn, people like me right, that understood uh, internet working and computer crap. And the, you know, as that industry matured, they they realized, I mean, they could just bring in college kids, whack a 45 year old guy making 200 grand a year and bring in someone, pay him 80. <laughs> <laughs> you know. well, yeah, I'm, I'm going through that now because I'm, I'm, uh, 
as I, we've discussed before, I'm retiring, but I still have to work. But, you know, and I'm and I'm going to be fine. But uh, I notice that, like, on my resume right now, and if you saw me, you wouldn't think I'm, you know, as old as I am. No, you're but not. on paper, I look really old. And I'm at the I've reached a point where I've stopped using dates on my resume. Like, I don't say when I've graduated from college. Yep. I leave. I actually leave some experience off my resume. Yep. So it looks like I haven't been in the workforce as long as I have, because I know if you look at my resume, if you, if you receive my resume and you look at the dates, it's going to conjure up some image of a guy with white hair, you know, and it's it, yep. that's that's not who I am. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I don't agree with that. And, you know, part of it, a small part uh, is the whole globalism I know in technology, I mean, there are people, you know, zillions of people in India, for instance, you know, that American companies use, whether it's for call centers or other service type related, you know, jobs. And they will work for pennies on a dollar to compare to Americans. You know, whether we move them, whether they move here to the States or stay in Bangalore or wherever. Um, that's part of it. And, and replacing labor with cheaper labor has always been corporate's game. Uh, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, you're, you're right. I understand that. And I understand, I understand the, uh, that, that, you know, where business is coming from on that. I get it. Uh, and you know, again, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to demonize either side because, you know, I'm not one of these people who will jump all over, uh, like the pharmaceutical industry, you know, like I'm thankful for the pharmaceutical industry because it kept my fa- my father alive for 10 extra years, you know, right on. you know, for every, for every thing that's bad, there's something that's good too. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the demonization of a lot of industry, but I also don't certainly don't understand the demonization of trying to help the less fortunate in this country. And I mean, in my opinion, uh, the only reason government should exist in a way is, you know, to act as a safety net for those who need it. Um, you know, whether that safety net works is in a completely different argument but it it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have programs that help those who are in need i don't buy that it it just encourages people to do nothing because they're good a lot of these people who are on welfare and getting nothing getting handouts from the government i mean yeah i don't agree with that it happens everything happens right right but to what degree i i would probably argue i wouldn't if I was president right now, there's no way I would decrease welfare spending. I would would I try to make it better? Sure. Would I try to eliminate corruption and and graft and things like that? I guess I'd give it a shot. You know, whoever runs for office next should run on the the campaign of let's do better instead of build back better or I don't MAGA, even whatever the I don't even <laughs> That's an awful slogan. You know, and again, 
that's why is, make America great again is to me as authentic, offensive as it was, was a fantastic slogan from a communications angle. You know, that's, and again, that's what I do. I'm in communications, but that was a fantastic, brilliant slogan, you know, is awful. Yeah, but that's what happens when you have uh, P.T. Barnum be the president. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, uh, Democrats are so bad at politics. It's ridiculous. And they're so, so bad at political communication. And, you know, they're... And in, in a lot of ways, they're their own worst enemy. They deserve they're a lot. Not good salespeople. I, I'm, you know, What's I that? look at them. They're not good salespeople. Not they not can't sell all. it. Whatever not they're trying all. to push, they're not good at doing it. And I, I try to listen to them just to see what the fuck they're talking about. And I mean, I'm not again. You know, I hate that we only we have like these two stupid parties because it's a duopoly. It's yeah. a corporation. You know what I mean? Yeah. If any other corporation ran like that, they'd be out of fucking business. <laughs> well, you know, it's what w- one of the reasons why you hear so much about socialism now is, uh, especially in the Democratic Party, is because there was the election of AOC. And, oh yeah, I love her. Uh, and the other, uh, I forget her name because I'm gonna I'm gonna mangle her name. The Michigan the, woman. Uh, Minnesota, the woman from Minnesota. Yeah, Talib. No. No, not Tlaib. She's a she's a Muslim woman. Um, yeah. But like, it's just if you really knew how how politics worked, Ilmar. the whole the whole hubbub over AOC is so ridiculous because there's 400 plus members of Congress. This is a woman who is not even done with her second term in Congress. So she spent three years in Congress. Do you know how little power someone like that has? Well, I got to catch you here. How long was Obama a senator before he became president? Ah. He he was anointed. She's never going to be anointed because she doesn't have she doesn't have the the national appeal. She makes she's in the news all the time because. Look, at I was a political reporter for a long time. Covering politics is fucking boring because it's predictable and really, really good politicians, and these are the clowns that are in office for 30 years, as yeah. awful as they may be, they're really good at what they do. And the reason they're really good is they're super disciplined. And super disciplined politicians make for very boring copy. And then you get a loose cannon like AOC. Yeah. She's completely different. She's not disciplined. She's off the wall. She makes good copy. So she gets a lot of attention because she makes good copy because otherwise you've you've spent your whole career covering like a bunch of boring, disciplined white men who just mm-hmm. follow the party line. Then you get this lootless wild woman in office. And, you know, her own party, Nancy Pelosi hates AOC. There's tons and tons of background you could read on this. So, you know, whatever you think of Nancy Pelosi, she wields a lot of power. She's she's only going to give AOC bones here and there. She actually hates the woman. They have <laughs> they've been publicly at war. <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi will keep her down. I mean this, this this woman poses no threat. But yet if you watch you know the conservative media, they spend an awful lot of time on this woman. And it's not necessarily to destroy this woman, it's to paint the party that she's from. Right. As you know, this with a wider brush, 
Yep. So, I mean, you know, again, there's 430-something members of Congress. This is just one woman from, you know, New York City who really, the, her only power is bringing home money to help human service agencies in her district. Hey, I, you know, I, I, I listened to her talk. She has a degree in economics, just like I do. Um, I don't know. I can't speak to it. She, I, I do find, uh, she says some interesting things sometimes, but I wonder how well thought out some of the things she says are. You're absolutely You're right. That's, and that's Omar. for the copy. Yeah. Hey, what are you going to do? She got elected, man. You know, um, the people have spoken. <laughs> and you and I have spoken for a pretty long time, my brother. <laughs> you and I are the, yeah, she's like us. We just talk. <laughs> I think, we you make know, our country's been around a while. And I used to have this buddy of mine. He was my customer. And he used to like get mad when people would call him with their hair on fire. And he would always say, he would say this catchphrase all the time. I don't do break fix. And, you know, so the, the idea being, it's like the broken window theory. If you don't, if you don't let it break, you won't have to fix it. But, you know, it's, that can be a fool's errand of itself too, right? Um, I have a friend who will not fix anything in his house and his whole AC thing blew up recently and he has spent a few thousand bucks replacing it. And you know why? Because he never replaced those stupid filters. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, um, I guess you don't do break fix, do you? Anyway, America's not broke, but it definitely needs to be tuned. And uh, however we do that, we should all do it together as socialism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this is, I actually, I started out talking about Trotsky. And the only reason I think I did that was I have this little silver bust of Trotsky in my office. And it's not because, <laughs> it's not because like I, I'm a Trotsky fan or anything like that. Just someone like was leaving my place of employment and they have a table out in the hallway where people just like when they're leaving they put their shit out on the table and it's like I'm this is what I'm leaving behind anybody can direct can grab it if they want it so I just grabbed this Trotsky thing because I just thought it was interesting you know it's it's no different than like all the little clown statues I have you know I just <laughs> it's weird and it's interesting and it's a conversation piece you like know it. so I just grabbed it you know well, I have a picture of um, Winston Churchill hanging on my wall from when he was like a young man. And I take I send it to people as like a little litmus test to see if they can figure out if it's him. He's a very you handsome little young man. Huh? You sent it to me. Yeah. You were one of my test subjects. And, um, you know, not the not the whiskey saturated fat old man that we're used to seeing pictures of. But. It's interesting. I had someone come into my home office not too long ago, and they knew it was him, and they had a very visceral, almost triggered response to him, saying, you know, do you know what he did to the Irish? You're an Irish man. How, how could you have a picture of that scumbag on your wall? <laughs> yeah, I mean, some things are just... I, I've got this, I've got this uh, framed photo of Terry Sawchuck, who was a ice hockey goalie in the NHL in the fifties and sixties. And that he didn't wear a mask. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't wear a mask. And it's actually a, a photo 
of all the scars all over his face. I mean, it's kind of, it looks like something out of a horror movie. From trying to eat pucks. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I, to me, it's an interesting artifact, but I'm not a Terry Sawchuck fan. And if you read up on the private life of Terry Sawchuck, he was an awful human being, an absolutely awful human being and did awful things. So, like, the fact that you have that photo of Churchill, it's just a cool thing to have. Hey, on that note, I think we've covered it all. I think uh, we should still dream about socialism as some kind of utopian society, like the Jetsons or something we'll have in the future. Who knows? I do want a flying car, though, before I die. I want to live long enough to see flying cars. And that's it, motherfucker. (laughs) Hey, I want to be rich, so, you know. You are rich in health and friends. (laughs) Socialism. What a laugh riot this show was. It was awesome. Good job. I think we nailed it. (laughs) God. All right. Stay Stay free. I still have your line. (laughs) Bye. Bye.